If you didn't get the chance to hear uh, Blake McMeans last week, I would encourage you to, to go to the website, the podcast, and listen to that. He, he did a, a great job, and he has an amazing story, and it was, uh, it was great to welcome Blake uh, to Woodmont to do a part of the sermon last Sunday. On Tuesday morning, I was driving um, Clayton, my uh, six-year-old, uh, to basketball camp. Uh, it was probably about 8.30 or so, and we were heading uh, west on Harding Place, uh, coming up on uh, Bellmead Boulevard intersection, and they're putting in sidewalks on Harding Place. Some of you have, might have noticed that. Um, so we, there was a detour. So we took the detour into the, into the neighborhood and was following the cars and uh, took a right and then took a left. And uh, I'm driving down the road and all of a sudden I look up and I see the cars are slowing down. And I look up and there is a three and a half year old boy standing in the middle of the road. Um, the cars were slowing down, but nobody was getting out to, to, to do anything. So I, I pulled the car in and I yelled at the boy. I said, hey, you come over here. And he saw me and I guess thought I was a stranger. So he took off running back to his house and he went all the way around to his backyard where his older brother was playing on the swing set. And, um, and so I went to the door and his mom was there uh, with their youngest child. And I told her, I said, you're three-year-old was in the middle of the road and she thanked me uh, profusely had no idea that he had walked around um, and so then I went and got back in the car and Clayton and I were off to basketball camp well as I was driving away I couldn't help but think about how that situation could have ended very differently for that little boy and for that family just a week before that not too far from where I was there was a, a guy named Joel who owns, owned a fitness studio, and it was an early on Monday morning. Uh, you guys have heard, know this story by now. Um, he was training three women. There are members of our church that are friends with him and have gone to him. And uh, all of a sudden, at about 6.55, a former employee walked in with a hatchet and a knife and killed him in cold blood in a shopping center in, in Bellmead, right there on Harding West End. And um, Joel was pronounced dead once he arrived at Vanderbilt Medical Center. He has five children who are now spending their first Father's Day without a dad. And this happened on Monday morning in a, in a good neighborhood, in open daylight. What is wrong with people? How does anybody get to a place where they can commit that kind of an act? How can we make sense of, of that kind of evil and hate and violence in this world? Where does it come from? This month, the month of June, we're in a sermon series called Pain and Resilience. And it's occurred to me this week, thinking about these situations and many others that are like it, that so much of the pain that we experience in our lives happens in our families, and it's shared in our families. It's the pain of losing a loved one. It's the pain of losing a child. It's the pain of going through a, a divorce. It's the pain of, of, a, of a child making bad decisions or becoming addicted and, and having to deal with, with that. It's the pain of unmet expectations that we have of each other. I will um, 
often ask marriage and family counselors, I like to pick their brains, and I will often ask them, what are the most common challenges that you deal with in your practice? And here's some of the answers that I will get from them. They'll say things like, a loss of intentionality to be nice, respectful, and appreciative. Making marriage a low priority after everything else. Busyness, hyper-scheduling that results in chronic anxiety. A lack of nurturance in both sexual and non-sexual affection. Families and marriages that are just a gathering of me's, not much we or us, which is selfish. A decline in family rituals like meals and church and conversations. Polarization within families that mirrors the polarization in the culture. Understanding that marriage and family is hard work and it takes intentionality. And then they also say all the time that loneliness on both the part of parents and children has become a very common uh, struggle and, and challenge uh, in families. Since today is Father's Day, I thought it would make sense for us to think about this subject of pain and resilience as it relates to uh, the family. And so today we are turning to the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, and, and Pharaoh read portions of the Joseph story. Um, I'm going to quickly recap this story. I don't know how many of you are familiar with it. Joseph was one of the 12 sons of Jacob. Jacob was the son of Isaac. Isaac was the son of Abraham. But Joseph was born to Jacob and his wife Rachel. And from a very early age, the Bible tells us that he became Jacob's favorite son. Now, nobody here has favorite children, I assume, right? Right. Uh, nobody's guilty of that. Jacob made Joseph, it gave him a coat of many colors which showed him how much he cared for him. He didn't give that coat to the other brothers. And it became very obvious that Joseph had found favor in his father's eyes. Uh, he received this special treatment. The text tells us that Joseph was a dreamer. And there are two dreams that he had that we read about in the book of Genesis. Uh, in the first dream, and he shared these dreams with his brothers, Joseph tells them that they were all out in the field together binding sheaves and that his sheaf stood up straight and tall and that the sheaves of his brothers bowed down to worship his sheaf. Now in the second dream that Joseph had, the sun and the moon and the 11 stars in the sky, which represented his brothers, bowed down and worshiped him as well. And so he told his brothers these dreams, which made them resent him even more because of what the dreams were conveying. I'm more important than you. Uh, not only was Joseph a favorite child, but you can make a case that he was also a narcissist. Uh, he thought very highly of himself. Well, one day, Jacob asked Joseph to go out into the field and check on his brothers. And when they saw him coming, they said, here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. And we can tell our father that a wild animal devoured him. And then we can see what will become of his dreams. They were going to kill him. But Reuben who was an older and much wiser brother, said, let us not take his life or shed any blood. Let us throw him into this pit here in the wilderness, but lay no hand upon him. And Reuben, you see, had plans to come back and rescue Joseph because he was wiser and he didn't want that to happen. Well, as the story goes, the brothers decided not to kill Joseph, but they did sell him into slavery for 20 pieces of silver to some Ishmaelites who were traveling through the region. And so Joseph goes to Egypt, and somehow he becomes a servant in Potiphar's house. Now, fast forward in the story. Potiphar's wife 
uh, is attracted to Joseph. She comes on to him. He refuses her. She comes on to him. He refuses her. Then finally, she says that Joseph was trying to come on to her. So Potiphar has Joseph thrown into jail. Joseph's in jail. He gets, uh, he, he becomes known as somebody who can interpret dreams. Ultimately, they take him to Pharaoh's house, and he interprets Pharaoh's dreams regarding a, a famine that's coming upon the land of Egypt. And slowly but surely, Joseph rises in the ranks uh, under Pharaoh to where he becomes the number two person of, uh, in, of Egypt, under Pharaoh. So, in the book of Genesis, we find that the famine hits the land. And Joseph's brothers, who were once sold, who once made the decision to sell him into slavery, they come to Egypt to get grain. And since Joseph is now the governor of the land, they find themselves asking Joseph if they can buy grain. But they do not recognize their brother, but he recognizes them. And after asking them to bring their youngest brother Benjamin to Egypt so that he could see them, Joseph can no longer take it. He sends all of his servants and people out of the room. And with tears in his eyes, he reveals himself to his brothers, and he tells them who he is. And with Pharaoh's permission, he invites them to go and bring their father Jacob to Egypt, and he gives them the best land that he has so that they can live out uh, the rest of their days as a family. Now, if you go to the last chapter of Genesis, chapter 50, um, Jacob passes away, and Joseph's brothers are still worried that their brother harbors resentment or a grudge because of what they did years before by selling him into slavery. And so they're scared that, that, that he's going to retaliate or get them back. And then we have that famous verse in Genesis 50 where Joseph says this to his brothers, Do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Even though you intended to do harm to me, God intended it for good. Now, this story that we find in the book of Genesis contains so many of the same dynamics that we see in our own families today. Think about this. Favoring one child over the others. Narcissism and selfishness. Sibling rivalry, jealousy, and resentment. Telling lies to cover things up. And ultimately forgiveness and healing and reconciliation. I can tell you today that, that, that I've always wanted to become a father, but before I became a dad, I could never, ever have guessed how much joy and yet how much of a challenge it would be. I shared with you at the beginning of this sermon series that, that uh, the pain in our family came when I lost my mom to suicide years ago. And, and then since we started this series, there's been some prominent suicides in our culture. Kate Spade in New York, Anthony Bourdain from CNN. The, this trend, for some reason, seems to be on the rise. People who had all the money and fame that they could ever want we're still battling depression and loneliness and emptiness. I, I like what uh, Jim Carrey said a few months ago. He says, I wish everybody could become rich and famous so they could see just how empty it really is. And what's been referred to before as a permanent solution to a temporary problem is for some reason becoming more common in our culture, which is why I believe with all my heart that families need to be strong 
and the church families need to be strong and friendships need to be strong because these are the things that help us get through the difficult times and, and challenges of life. Not if, but when they come because they come for everybody. And so what I'd like to do on this Father's Day this morning in light of this passage from Genesis, the story of Joseph, I just want to share with you three um, important lessons that I have learned uh, as a father, as a minister um, in my own life. So let me share these with you this morning. The first one is this. Every single family, without exception, let me say that again, every single family, without exception, has pain and baggage that they must deal with. Every single family has its own set of issues. When two people get married, whatever those issues are that they have in their families of origin, they get brought into the marriage. But they don't have to define the marriage. Whether it's suicide or being the child of divorce or uh, coming from a family where addiction is prevalent, those things will manifest themselves in your marriage and in your family and if you're not careful, any of those things have the ability to overshadow and dominate your family. But they don't have to. Therapists will tell you that the issues which come from our families of origin do not go away when you get married. What you must learn to do, what we all must learn to do in our marriage is to navigate them, to talk about them, to handle them. But whatever we do, we can't let them overshadow and define uh, our, our new family if that makes sense, when, when we get married and start our own family. Because families are made up of human beings, every single family has baggage and issues that get passed on. And some of the baggage is more serious and more challenging than the others, but guess what? Everybody has the ability to break the cycle, whatever it might be. Now, some people will do this through distance, simply distancing themselves from their family of origin and in some cases, things might be so bad or so toxic to where that's the only answer. Uh, and, and, and you just say, you know, my family is so dysfunctional, I just have to stay away. Except for the holidays, I just have to stay away. And that might be true. But usually that's not the answer. You can manage issues from your family of origin while also working to build your own family and your own traditions. It's about balance. It's about learning from the past. It's about not letting unhealthy patterns be passed along to the next generation. Cycles can be broken and changed. But my first point this morning is every single family has issues and baggage that they have to deal with. There are no exceptions. If you think you're the exception, please come find me after the service and let me know what that looks like because I'd love to meet you. Second point this morning. I've learned as a father that your children really don't care about whether you had a good day or a bad day, an easy day or a stressful day. All they want is for you to be present with them when you get home. If you had a horrible day at work, shake it off. Then go have a better night at home. And if you have a spouse and kids, when you go home, then be at home. Don't keep working. Don't stay on your phone or your computer all night. Don't extend the workday two or three more hours. This has become an incredible challenge in this age of smartphones. Boundaries are disappearing, and so is the concept of presence, being present with the people that we love. Our loved ones want us to be present with them. They want us to be in the moment. 
Work can wait until the next day, but it can simply ruin your home life if you let it. By the way, I don't claim to have this figured out by any means, which is why I can preach on it. My wife is probably laughing at me as I go through this uh, scenario here. (laughs) But I do know this from firsthand experience that it's a problem in so many families that parents are not present with their children and they're not present with each other. And I think this is a defining challenge in the 21st century. Our children want us to be present with them. They want our full attention. It's not that they don't care if you had a good day or bad day. What they care about is that you're going to be there for them and that you're going to spend time with them. Lastly this morning, I have learned that for a family to be resilient, And resilience is what we've been talking about this month, bouncing back from the difficult challenges of life. For a family to be resilient, there has to be forgiveness and reconciliation on an ongoing basis. Continuing to bring up things from the past that have been put to bed accomplishes nothing. It just keeps the tension and the resentment alive. In our story this morning, after Jacob dies, Joseph's brothers are still worried that he harbors this grudge or this resentment that he's going to try to get even with them because of what they did. But that's not what Joseph does. He says, do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Even though you intended to do harm to me, God intended it for good. See, Joseph had no desire to get even with his brothers. All he wanted was a relationship with them and to look ahead to the future. Because you can't change the past. All you've got is the present and the future. Now let me close this morning by saying this. I realize that things aren't always this simple. I realize that things happen in marriages and in families that can live on for years and years. And sometimes it's hard to forgive. And it's hard to let things go. But life is simply too short to not do everything in your power to have a good relationship with your family. And if for some reason you don't have family or you've lost your family, that's why we have the church family. That's why the church family is here. That's why the church family needs to be strong. Resilience comes in many forms, but one of the best forms that it takes is forgiveness and reconciliation. Those are the things that can lead to healing. Those are the things that can restore relationships, whether it's parent and child or between spouses or between grandparents or whatever. Forgiveness and reconciliation are powerful. Letting go of the past, looking ahead to the future, not letting the past define us. The present and the future is all that we have. I'm going to close with this. Um, Earlier this spring, there was, um, well, there's been a number of of, uh, suicides, even in this community. And and there was one earlier this spring, and it wasn't at this church, but a friend of mine who was a priest, and I wasn't at the service, I just was told this, but he made the, the comment that there is a lot of pressure that's put on men in this culture to perform, to provide, to be there, to be strong. 
And the question that I think we need to wrestle with is, who's going to be there for the men when they need it? And ladies, I'm not saying at all that you don't deal with this, but it's Father's Day and I'm talking to the guys. There's a lot of pressure that's put on the, the, the father, the husband, to, to do all these things. And sometimes when men get to a place where they don't know who to turn to, they don't know how to get support, that becomes a problem. And we need to find ways as a church and as a culture to be there to support people, uh, to support dads who are really wrestling with all of their responsibilities and with all the weight that they have on their shoulders. Would you join me in prayer? Mender of toys, leader of boys, changer of fuses, kisser of bruises, bless him, dear Lord. Mover of couches, soother of ouches, pounder of nails, teller of tales, reward him, O Lord. Raker of leaves, cleaner of eaves, dryer of dishes, fulfiller of wishes, bless him, O Lord. God, on this special day that we say thank you to our dads, we ask your blessing and your guidance on all fathers and on all families. Amen.